Welcome back to the latest episode of the Nerd Out. It usually is a panel discussion. I have multiple people. Today is a special opportunity because I have been leveraging to get this individual ever since we had a podcast. And, and she claims, you know, so modest that she doesn't ever want to be involved and she has nothing important to say. I feel quite the opposite. We have a dynamic, wonderful, amazing person on here. I am want to welcome to Nerd Out today the, the executive director of Faith-Based Information Sharing and Analysis Organization, FBI Sal, uh, Maya Saab. Maya, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us on Nerd Out today. Oh, thank you, David. I, I, I'm excited to be here, I'll be honest, but but really, <laughs> I'm nervous as heck because I, um, I'm not good with um, impromptu kind of discussions. So, so I'm going to do my very best to uh, be a contributing member to the nerd out. Um, so and you're going to do amazing. I gave you some questions already up front, and I know you've already got notes upon notes. But I'm going to just in typical Dave Pounder fashion, I'm going to go off script right away and say, really, tell us the dirt on Andy. So how give us the dirt on Andy. Just tell us something about Andy. OK, so so Andy is one of the most dedicated, hardworking people. Uh, wait, hold on, <laughs> that I've ever worked with, right? I, I mean, he's just, he's, he works so amazingly hard. But on, on, with that being said, he is also so fair, um, so wonderful to work with, right? He, he brings his dedication and his passion, and he automatically makes you dedicated and passionate in everything that you do. So Andy has taught me so much, um, and we'll get into my background a little bit more um, when you ask me your your questions. And don't go off script. <laughs> my script is questions, right? <laughs> but but in the meantime, you know, I don't come from a uh, risk mitigation background. I come from a business operations background, and having spent about five years working with Andy, I've learned so much. I mean, without him setting out to teach me anything just by virtue of working with him, that has transferred onto me. And sometimes when I'm writing stuff or saying something, I'm thinking to myself, how did I get here? Right. And, and so that's what's so amazing about working with Andy. And he's just, he's just that kind of person. Well, well, that definitely didn't go the way I was hoping. I'm going <laughs> to dub that out. I'm going to change it around a little bit. I, I can't guarantee you what the final product will be, Maya, but in all seriousness, Andy is a great guy. And if you want to work with Gay15, you can go to gay15.global, check out their website and, and, and reach out and, and see how you can work with such a great guy, uh, Andy. But we are not here to talk about Andy, Maya. We're here to talk about you. And one of the reasons you mentioned it, you know, you said you had... You know, this is you for five years. You didn't come from the security and risk preparedness background. This is, you know, we had um, two other Gay 15 colleagues on uh, a couple months back, Alec in uh, in April, and they did a great job of talking through, you know, how they got into this field because I think a lot of people think that there's some sort of magic roadmap to get to where you're at. And and look, you've you are quite an accomplished, you, you've gotten quite a list of accomplishments here. You're working with the faith-based communities. You're working with the government. You've been within the administration t 
to talking about the concerns of faith-based organizations. Maya, how did you get here? I mean, let, let's talk about it. Let's just start with that. Okay. Well, so, you know, uh, I'm going to date myself when I say that I have many, many years of experience in business operations. I have a degree in international studies and upon graduating, and I won't say when, um, I thought <laughs> I would be- day over 30, Maya. <laughs> day over 30. I thought I would become the secretary general of the, the United Nations, um, typical of a idealistic 20 year old, I guess. But apparently the UN had the wrong address for me. So my offer letter never arrived. I decided to join the Peace Corps instead um, my position in the host country was cut after a little bit, and I returned prior to completing my tour. So upon doing that, I tried a whole slew of careers, um, banking, nonprofits, uh, different things. Um, I think my most successful stint, so to speak, was an eight-year span with an, an IT consulting firm um, around the Beltway. Um, we used to call them at that time, and it's probably not a good term now, but a beltway bandit. Um, <clears throat> and then life happened, and I found myself in this position and absolutely loving it, right? So um, we can talk about faith-based ISAO and how it got stood up and all of that when you're ready. Yeah, no, I think it's it's a good trade, like, you know, because again, I think we all take our own paths to get here and i think it's just a great example i do find it very interesting like so did your inner like the exposure in the peace corps or you're wanting to work with the un do you think that prepared you for where you're at now with like that mindset of being um you know security conscious because i think you would have to be a little bit about that uh during that during that exposure and, and again you talked about being in a host country you don't have to say where you're at but I mean, working those relationships with other partners and 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 government entities, I think that probably prepared you pretty well for where you're at now. Yeah, in a, in a big way, right? I mean, I'm I'm still that idealistic person that I was 20 years ago. I'm a little bit more realistic now, um, but still idealistic in many ways. And I do think that working hard when you're when you have the greater good in in mind. Um, you you can achieve results. Sometimes it's frustrating. Sometimes you feel like it's worth not worth it. But but I do believe at the end of the day, you know, when I put my head on the pillow and get up the next morning, it is worth it. And the work that we do is definitely worth it. And working with the Peace Corps was well, it was my first. Um, how should I say this? Um, time working in a government organization or with a government organization. And, and oh my goodness, I remember when I started, when I got to orientation and that was happening in, in Philadelphia, they started throwing out all kinds of acronyms as the government does. And I'm sitting there thinking, what are they saying? I mean, I couldn't understand a word that they were saying. It took me a long time. Of course, now when people throw out acronyms, I'm a lot more comfortable with it. Um, but working with the government is is a partnership, and that partnership can be um, a, a source of good for improving the security posture of a country, of a person, of an organization, um, or in 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 my particular case, a community, the community of faith. 
Yeah, so let's talk about that. See, in my look, you did a great job. That was an off-scripted question. You just rolled with it. See how comfortable you are here. You you really you, you really don't give yourself enough credit. <laughs> but Maya, let's go in to talk about faith-based ISAL. Um, and, and maybe let's start off with like ISACs and ISALs in general. You know, these were set out, you know, decades ago now, you know, to establish that partnership between you know, um, government agencies and the public sector or the private sector. And, and, and Andy and I talked about this on the latest episode of the security sprint, talking about how they, you know, the Biden administration recently put out new guidance or reinforcing their cybersecurity strategy that really touched back into this ISACs and ISAL. So, you know, let's talk about, you know, the importance of these to the community from your standpoint. And again, you're the executive director of faith-based ISAL. What, you know, what, what is the importance? What, what does that role of those ISACs and ISALs play? So, so you referenced there is some, some legislation that, 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 you know, way back when, and, and I just, just for the audience's sake, I'd like to talk a little bit about how this all started. And I'm gonna read for a moment from uh, DHS website, which defines what they are, ISACs, ISALs. So quote, America's cyber adversaries move with speed and stealth and to keep pace, all types of organizations, including those beyond traditional critical infrastructure sector, sectors, need to be able to share and respond to cyber risk in as close to real time as possible. Organizations engaged in information sharing related to cybersecurity risks and incidents, as well as, in, um, I'm going off script a little bit, as well as physical security risks, um, play an invaluable role in the collective cybersecurity and security of the United States. However, many companies have found it challenging to develop effective information sharing organizations or information, information as we call them, ISAOs. In response, President Obama issued the 2015 Executive Order 13691, directing the Department of Homeland Security to engage, to encourage the development of ISAOs. So that's a quote um, with a few comments from me. Looking at the National Council of ISACs, you'll find a listing of all the ISACs that are serving their particular critical infrastructure sector. And if you go to the ISO standards website, you'll find a list of ISACs and ISAOs that are in operation. So the ISO standards organization is a non-governmental organization established in, um, on October 1, 2015, and it's led by the University of Texas at San Antonio. Their mission is to improve the nation's cybersecurity posture by identifying standards and guidelines for robust and effective information sharing and analysis related to cybersecurity risks, incidents, and best practices. So in particular, the faith-based ISAO serves the community of faith, as there are others that serve multiple other types of communities. And we've, we've, although the, the general direction of ISACs and ISAOs is to protect cyber risk or to, to mitigate cyber risk or to help mitigate cyber risk, we've taken it a step further at the faith-based ISAO and we encompass all risk. So that comes, you know, physical, cyber, natural, and health risks as well. 
yeah, that all hazards approach, right? I think and that's a core principle of gate 15. Gate 15 is really talks about all those at all hazards. And I, I think I want to be fair and truth and lending, you know, provide the fair disclosure. Faith, you know, faith-based ISAL was really, you know, the 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 startup of gate 15. I mean gate 15 yeah. identified a need and and decided to do it. Gate 15 has been supporting a lot and, and many organizations support the ISACs and ISALs because there's a lot of challenges in getting these off the ground, maintaining members and, and so on. So talk to me really quickly or however long you want to take, Maya, you, the floor is yours. But on for particularly for faith-based ISAL, what what drove you know the development of faith-based ISAL? Why faith-based organizations? Why the community of faith? And and talk a little bit about what went into that process because it's been quite several years now, and and it has been you you've been making a lot of headway, I think. Hey. I mean, yeah, we have been, I, I, I must say, and, and we can talk about that in a little bit. There's been a lot of good things happening. So going back to, to Gate 15, so Gate 15 stood up the faith-based ISAO, um, and I was a big part of that in the sense of there's a lot of paperwork that goes into, you know, creating a nonprofit, uh, putting together the articles of incorporation and the agreements and setting up boards and all of that. So it played a big part of that. Um, really boring stuff, actually. But we started operating by providing our subscribers at the time. So we called them subscribers because we really can't refer to them as members initially right? Because we were just getting started. We, we provided them with reports and capabilities to collaborate together. Um, the analytical reports that the Gate 15 team developed were well received then and still are now. Really, the Gate 15 team works that works to, to produce these reports and to, to support the faith-based ISAO is top-notch. Um, the collaboration piece that I'm talking about took a bit of time. And through word of mouth, people started to join. So now instead of just people we thought would benefit from the information, people actually started signing up to get the information. And not only that, not only were they signing up to join, but they were also actually spreading information about our work. And that was really gratifying. When you serve the needs of a community, there has to be a structure to support the, the work that you're doing. So that's at that point is when I became sort of the executive director of the faith-based ISAO. Um, and what's unique about the faith-based ISAO? Well, like many other ISAOs in many ways, um, the, the, many ISAOs are unique in many ways and alike in many other ways. There are organizations that are serving the security needs of their faith-based denominations. So this is what this is our sort of, you know, this is what we focus on. The faith-based information sharing analysis organization is about serving <clears throat> the faith community. So those large organizations, um, um, it, it, they they support the needs of their faith-based uh, organizations, but on a, on a in a um, organizational way, not in a security focused way, if you will. There's no top-down um, uh, 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 way for 
houses of worship to work on their security by and large. Now, there are exceptions to that. Um, so how yeah, is, yeah. Oh, I'm Go sorry, ahead. Maya, because like to, to your point, I mean, a lot, obviously each denomination has their own organizational structure and frameworks and stuff, but it's not so much focused on the security part. There may be some groups that do do security. Mm -hmm. There may be some faith based other organizations that provide support maybe to a specific denomination, but faith-based ISAL really applies is, is for everyone. Everybody, it's all inclusive of, of your of your um, community of faith. Is that that's fair? Right, absolutely. All faiths, all denominations are welcome, right? Um, in a way, since each house of worship or faith-based organization is on its own, again with exceptions, they have to figure it out, right? They have to uh, put a plan together. Um, that's hard. And to make things slightly more complex, right? Those serving in security roles at their faith-based organizations are primarily volunteers because let's be real, faith-based organizations and houses of worship depend on volunteers to get the mission done. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you consider that each state and locality is different, so, for example, houses of worship in New York have different and varying security needs than, say, a house of worship in Modesto, California, right? Um, it, it adds another layer of complexity to trying to figure it out, to trying to um, find those many right answers. So we offer the community a place to collaborate by way of sharing best practices with each other. Of course, the team also does a good job of highlighting best practices for the benefit of members, but they they really work together and it's really wonderful to see. And, and that's great, Maya. I think it's a great service. I, I think also too, like you've worked very hard to incorporate, you know, some of the expertise at these within some various security organizations there that are part of FBI SAL some individual, you know, houses of worship, for example, and, and you've brought them into helping faith-based ISAL as well, right? I mean, you do have, like, we've had Ed Heyman on this call, on Nerd Out before. He does a great job out within his congregation, um, and he has a great understanding of security. And so, but Ed is also helping faith-based ISAL, and I think he's part of some of your working groups and and there are others just like it. There, I mean, many others as well. Is that right? Oh, yeah. And, and so for faith-based ISAO, like many other, <clears throat> excuse me, ISAOs and, and ISACs is member-led and member-driven, right? So we, the team, become just the facilitators, if you will. We, we help them with resources that they might need to solve a problem. We may be able to make introductions to experts who are already in that area to help answer some of their questions, but really they decide what they want to work on, what problems they're looking to solve, and they go about solving them. And yes, Ed is a great example of a, a, a servant leader who's taken up a lot of roles within faith-based ISAO. He leads many initiatives. One of the most exciting initiatives um, is uh, the development of a physical security maturity model for houses of worship and faith-based organizations. So think of it like a, a step-up program, right? So you're, you're, you've taken an assessment 
and uh, you you see where you are in terms of your maturity, if you're at zero or one or two or five, but also to give you a path. So let's say you're level one maturity, then how do you get to level five? What are some of the things that you need to implement to become a level five organization? So these this is a complex um, effort. It's been ongoing since January and we're not done. Um, the team meets about every two weeks to go over their progress. They collaborate on Slack in the meantime, right? So, so they're talking to each other constantly, but every two weeks they check in and I see the progress that they're making and it's really, really wonderful. And I think a product like this developed by the members, right? Um, for the members and for the community as a whole, for the faith-based community is, is just, so so beneficial and those initiatives are the ones that we're undertaking um, within faith-based ISO. Yeah I, th I think that's great it's amazing to hear and it doesn't surprise me that that's something that you guys are leading because you know I, you mentioned it a little earlier you know a lot of faith, you know these faith-based organizations or houses of worship they're volunteers they're in they're often doing and especially in some of these locations they're filling multiple roles, security just being one of them. And I think that there's a really hard challenge there where you can really look at how do we get somebody from point A to point B? And so I think there's some challenges where it, it, by providing those resources really are helpful to those organizations. And I think that's, that's, that's good so that they don't have to feel like they have to do everything today, but they can take these small measured steps to get to where they need to. So really appreciate all that insight, Maya. So like now, like as the executive director, and you certainly didn't start out that way, you, you, you worked into this role, but you're, you're, you're daily, I mean, you're interfacing with a lot of people in a lot of different ways. What, you know, what types of things are you as the executive director focused on for, if, for I mean, I guess you could say from I, ISACs and ISAs in general, but maybe even more specific to faith-based ISAL. What, what is your day-to-day -day like and what is your routines like? So, it, you know, you ask me what my role is and how we make the magic happen, so to speak, <laughs> right? So, so our members are our greatest resource. Um, they're truly dedicated individuals, not only because they serve their own house of worship, but they're also contributing to the resiliency of the entire community, right? So we talked about the, the um, idea of collaborating to work on a product um, and like the physical security maturity model. And that's the kind of stuff that they're doing. Um, Really, the members almost manage themselves. I only provide the facilitation. The Gate 15 team also manages themselves, meaning that they, they monitor the threat landscape and develop analytical reports based on what they're seeing and what's needed. So my job really becomes doing a lot of outreach and member engagement, and that's the fun stuff. I really like talking to people. That's what brings me joy. I don't necessarily like, you know, the working on a budget or writing a proposal or any doing of that grants, stuff. right? That's your favorite. Yeah. Doing uh, yes, doing grants. That's that the the 
Oh my gosh, it's so mundane. Um, I know we have to do it, right? Because we we are always looking for sources of funding, but it's not not fun at all. Um, working with with talking to people and telling them about faith based ISAO is where I I think I you know thrive and I do my most passionate work. Um, those interactions and those conversations with people, our members and others who are working in this space, they teach me something every day. So I wake up excited. I don't know if I'll ever get to all of those exciting ideas. So I have notepads or, or sticky notes everywhere with me, like in my purse and in the car and by my bedside table. And even though my phone never leaves my side, sometimes I'm too lazy to actually type it up into my phone. So I just make a sticky note, um, look into this or do that or <laughs> something like that. And then I have to reconcile all of my notes. But that's really, you know, when you're working with such dedicated uh, people um, and such good people, you, you want to, you almost want to do your utmost to meet their needs and to continue to grow the organization in whatever way makes sense now i think that's that's great and it, it does speak to just like your energy in this whole process is very clear in this interview is very clear in our interactions and, and i just love to see it so so we'll kind of wrap up here maya but but i really like what's on the future for you know what what do you want to be accomplishing here as we move forward whether it's within FBI Sal or on a professional level where do you find that next level of growth and where do you see things going for you and, and for all the thing all the work that you're doing so so to answer your question um so i see myself in this position for as long as i'm useful and i don't know when when that will when I'll stop being useful, right? When I'll stop being effective. Um, but for now, I'm enjoying serving this community. As far as the organization goes, so I think we have unlimited potential. Um, if I look at the, uh, the problems in, in risk mitigation period, but also specifically for the faith-based community, there is no shortage, no shortage of problems to solve. And that's really what we're doing, right? We're, we're putting all of our collective brains together and we're setting out to solve problems. There are so many of them from a security standpoint that we've got a lot to do. And the members sort of dictate where they'd like to see us go next. And we sort of, um, you know, follow their lead as, as we should. Um, so in terms of what the next steps are, for me, I'd like to see more people engaged and I'd really like to see some bigger organizations engaged, right? We have a lot of individual houses of worship engaged with us right now. I'd really like to see some big organization like a Crossroads Church or a um, um, uh, Mariner's Church or some other large, large organization because I think they can bring so much um to the to the effort um they already have such robust um, plans they already have documentation that they can share with the community they already have um put together uh programs that are working every day and you know when they serve their constituents their congregants um that they could really help the community out by getting involved with us that's going to take some effort because i think 
those larger organizations see themselves as, you know, uh, sort of on their own because they're big and they're doing this work every day, um, but they can contribute a lot. Um, so we have to reach out to them. We have to get them to see the work that we're doing. Certainly having a product or two um, that we've already completed will help in that regard, but that's really where I'd like to see us go next and sort of grow the organization that way, um, have more input, more um, resources available to us. Um, I think I, I answered all of your questions. Oh, I, I'd like to mention one thing. So I don't, um, don't know if we mentioned it before, but um, I serve on the Faith-Based Security Advisory Council. That's the DHS Faith-Based Security Advisory Council. I'm just one of 25 to 30 members, I believe. And we com recently completed um, three sets of reports that I think will be great, um, or are great, I should say, because they're already out there. Um, I served on the information sharing subcommittee. There were three subcommittees, one on building partnerships, and another one on grant making, and another one on information sharing. All three reports are really, really excellent. It took like a lot of brain power to put those reports out. And um, I'm hoping that the community reads them and sees that folks are thinking about those difficult things that, that maybe give them a little bit of heartache, right? We're thinking through them, trying to make them better, trying to see how the, the government can be more responsive to the community's needs. Um, so, you know, you can check it out on the Faith-Based Security Advisory Council website. They're all up there. And I'm looking forward to the next steps in, in serving in that role and seeing where Secretary Mayorkas will, will want us to go next. And I'm excited to, to do more work in that regard. Yeah, a lot of cool pictures posted by Andy, I think, of you sitting on some of those boards. It's very, you you did jump ahead of me because I, I was going to ask you about that. And and again, speaking to how you're actively engaged, it just really shows and highlights uh, the, the care that you're putting into that organization. So Maya, it's been great, even though you gave me no dirt on Andy, <laughs> I, I will, I am just uh, uh, extremely appreciative and in awe really of, of you and how you've been able to navigate this field because it is not easy, you know, running and managing a, a information sharing and analytical organization or center it is, is, you know, rife with uh, uh, challenges and in all sorts of areas and you've navigated it so well. So I appreciate you taking your time out of your busy schedule. And I know you were very you know, you weren't necessarily like excited to be here, but hopefully I, I warmed you up a little bit so that uh, you'll come back on for us again another time. Yeah, sure. I, I, I uh, You did make me feel comfortable. It was more of a conversation with you, which I always, always enjoy. And I so enjoy your contributions to Faith-Based ISAO, Dave. I, I think, um, you know, the, the, if I haven't mentioned it before, the, the, the members really uh, value your contributions. They ask uh, for your input often. And I know that we've got a couple of projects in 2024 that you're going to be involved in. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. And I value that engagement as well. It's a, it's a great community. And, and again, part of you know, giving my talents as as I can to help, and in that meaning, in the in the uh, tithe talents and treasures, right? So just give what I can and 
and try to help uh, with that as much as I can. So I appreciate that sentiment as well, Maya. So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode. And again, I want to encourage all uh, those, if you like this podcast, to listen to other parts of the Gate 15 channel podcast. We've got the Security Sprint. That's our weekly run through the headlines. We also have Andy Jabor's Gate 15 interview, where he's uh, interviewing various uh, security professionals about uh, their experiences and engagements. And we also have the Risk Roundtable and Cybersecurity Evangelist podcast out there for uh, you to all listen to. And, and if you, you can even go back in the Cybersecurity Evangelist uh, archives and see that uh, Maya was an early uh, 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 early interview there uh, with Jennifer Lynn Walker. So uh, Maya, again, I really appreciate that. And with this, I will bid you all adieu. Thank you. Bye-bye.